listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be with you again one week before the election, the most important election in the last four years. <laughs> you know, you hear lots of hyperbole, this is the most important election in our lifetimes. Isn't really every election the most important election of our lifetime as we move forward? Um, of our ever, as David and I know, ever, ever, our ever-shortening lifetimes going forward. Um, but this week has been really interesting, David, as far as the election is concerned. You know what has been missing, uh, I thought had been missing, from the rhetoric of this week, David, was any talk about immigration. I thought it was missing. I, I you know, I just thought they had focused so much on on uh, Hillary's emails again uh, that they had all forgotten about the the policy issue of immigration. And then I realized that in fact they had not actually forgotten about that. There is in fact uh, uh, a little immigration story coming out of the the Trump camp this week that I think deserves just a little bit of mention because um, it. Uh, it's, it was insane. Uh, I, and I hate to put the words insane in front of Donald Trump, but I don't know. They seem to go together for some reason. They seem to go together. Uh, here's what he said. Um, and I'll have, uh, have, I'll have to quote this because I, I don't want to be mistaken again here. Um, but an introductory. Uh, uh, he declared that if Hillary Clinton wins the election, it wins the election, wins the presidency, uh, that she's in favor of open borders. All right, so David, do you know how many people live in America today? Exactly, more, more or less, right? You know, on any given day, who knows? But pretty close to that number. Uh, quote, but she wants open borders, Trump said at a campaign stop in Greeley, Colorado. Quote, you saw that during the debate. WikiLeaks got her again. I'm sorry, the Russian government got her again. I'm going to get that right. Quote, she never talked about open borders. She wants open borders. I'm continuing the quote. We could have 600 million people pour into our country. Think of it. Whoa. And then he goes on. Quote, she wants to let people just pour in. You could have 650 million people pour in and we do nothing about. That's what could happen. You triple the size of our country in one week. Close quote. Dave, what do you say to that, David? I, I, just, wow. 650 million people, triple it in one week. Now, let's, let's, let's think about that. Triple it in one week. How are we going to let that happen? All right. First of all, we have to decide where, where all 160 million people are going to come in in one week. Let's start with the obvious. How many people live in Canada? We could get all the Canadians in America. They all want to come down. Why? I don't know. But let's say they all want to come down here. That's only like 30 million, though. That leaves us with 620 million more people. Um, let's go all the way south. How many people live in South America? Well, that's about another 300 million people. So that gets us down to we still need 325 million more. Uh, what about Mexico, Central America, and the islands? Well, that gets us to about 625. We're still short 25 million people. So, David, if everybody on the American continents decided they were going to come into America this week, we could still not have 
650 million people to come here. So we're going to have to get them from somewhere else. Where are we going to get the other 25, 30 million people to come to America? We're going to have to hire boats, lots and lots of boats and lots and lots of airplanes, thinking, of course, that we only get about 25 million people coming here every year as visitors. So that's not even going to be enough. David, I don't know how we're going to reach Trump's goal of having Hillary open our borders and triple the size of our country in one week. Man, how are we going to do that? Oh, oh, oh. Perhaps, perhaps. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps Mr. Trump is using hyperbole. I don't think he knows what that word means, but maybe he's using hyperbole, a gross exaggeration of non-facts, to drive home a point. <coughs> Excuse me, everybody. Um, now, that would be something that Trump would do because he's done it every day for the last year and a half. But let's take a look here at what our friends at CBS News said. So they, quote, they said, there is no evidence to support Trump's claims, period. Wow. Wow, really? That must, you know, that's a lie of the mainstream media. The mainstream media is causing that to happen. They said this, Clinton has said that in her first 100 days, she would present legislation for comprehensive immigration reform to Congress that would include a pathway to citizenship for undocumented in the country. The United States currently estimated to be more than 10 million. Trump himself has not addressed what he would do with undocumented immigrants already in the country, saying repeatedly... He would address the issue after the border is secure and all criminal undocumented immigrants were deported. Under Trump's plan, the vast majority would be deported since his deportation plan prioritizes criminals accused of crimes and those who overstay their visas. Um, hmm. Well, you know, this is, you know, it's a little confusing here from Trump uh, about tripling the side of our country. But he goes on in the same speech, by the way, he says this. We're going to have the wall. We need it. We're going to have the strong border. Not a strong border. We're going to have the strong border. You notice he puts the word the in front of a lot of nouns. The strong border. But we're going to have big, beautiful doors in the wall. And people are going to come into our country. And they're going to be proud to come in. And they're going to come in on merit. And we're also going to take people on merit. People can help us grow the country. Great people. You know, David, it's a, it's a wonderful time to be an immigration lawyer because I believe it's going to be so much easier to do our job because all the immigration forms are going to be done away with. It's going to be one immigration form. We're going to call it the I-1 instead of the I-130 for my immigration lawyer. Not the I-130. It's the I-1. The name of this form is Application or Petition. Petition to be identified as a great person. It's going to be the name. So it's I-1. And it's got a couple questions. Your name. It's got your birth date. Where you were born. Okay, so if your name is not a good name or it can't be made fun of properly, you can't come in. If you were born, if you're too old can't, or you're too young, you can't come in. If you're from a certain series of countries, you're certainly not coming in. Uh, certainly from the Middle East. So those three questions get a lot of people out. The next question is, uh, are you a great person? And if you check yes to that, I think you come in. 
So say we're only going to get great people from certain countries that are of a certain age with good names coming into the United States. It's going to be so much easier to be an immigration lawyer when that happens. I mean, it's going to be, wow. Trump is, when, when we have a President Trump, this is going to be, this is going to be, wow, so easy. Now, all facetiousness aside, um, Trump then goes on to say certain other crazy things. I mean, here's a question. He called, quote, he goes this, you know, folks, this is a quote, it's called a two-way street. It's a two-way street, of which there aren't very many in New York City, by the way. Um, we need a system that serves our needs, not the needs of others. Remember, under a Trump administration, it's called America First. Remember that. You choose immigration immigrants based upon merit, merit, skill, and proficiency. Doesn't that sound nice? Well, sounds kind of like the system we already have, but Trump wouldn't know that. But uh, Trump um, actually then released a statement. One of the things Trump says um, um, is this on policy papers that he wrote um, on H-1Bs, for example. He says, I'm changing it and I'm softening it. We need to have talented people in this country. Quote, this is the Trump. Now, now the press release comes out written by Trump's anti-immigration staffers. The immigration program is neither high-skilled nor immigration. The H-1B program is neither high-skilled nor immigration. These are temporary foreign workers imported from abroad for the explicit purpose of substituting for American workers at lower pay. I remain totally committed to eliminating rampant, widespread H-1B abuse and ending outrageous practices such as those that occurred at Disney in Florida where Americans were forced to train their foreign replacements. I will end forever the use of the H-1B as a cheap labor program and institute an absolute requirement to hire an American workers for every visa and immigration program, no exceptions. Um, you know, it's interesting. When he talks... He says, make the program softer, make it easier to use. Why? Because he himself actually uses it for his companies. And then when his anti-immigration staffers speak, they say crazy butt stuff that comes right out of the fair numbers USA and anti-immigration, xenophobic, uh, nativist, anti-population, pro-abortion handbook. They want to have fewer people in the United States. Uh, this is very interesting uh, as we go forward, David, because I see here um, a, a Trump who really has no plan, who doesn't mind lying to, what, gullible people? But, you know, I don't think Trump supporters are gullible. I really don't. I, I, I think we talked about this earlier in another show where Trump supporters trust him but don't believe the things he says. They don't think he'll actually do this stuff, but they trust him because they're angry and they want change. People that don't like Trump, like myself, actually do believe him and believe that he will carry out the things he says. Now, interesting is people that support him don't believe him. People that do support that don't support him do believe him. Uh, and I think as we go forward and we see what happens over the next week. Uh, that uh, we're going to see something very, very interesting uh, if he is president. And I think it's going to be terrible for the United States. I mean, really terrible for the United States if he's president from an immigration perspective. 
Um, now, there's lots of things about Hillary Clinton that are bad. Uh, David, would you like to make that list right now, the list of things that are bad about Hillary Clinton? We can, we can go through those right now at this part. Uh, or, um, uh, but at the same time, will she do the damage to America long term that a nativist Donald Trump will? You know, I love the United States. I love that we are a country that supports and motivates people to be the best selves. And, you know, I don't see that. I never hear that from Donald Trump. I never hear him motivating people to be better. I hear him complaining about people because everything is somebody else's fault. The idea that we're not currently great, that our military is not currently the best in the world, that we're not currently at the top of the heap in a lot of different areas, is motivation for us to succeed, but it's also not true. Why do immigrants come to America still today? Because we remain the greatest country in the world. We are the beacon of democracy and hope and, 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 and the ability to succeed regardless of what people like Donald Trump think. Now, the problem that we have, David, is a lot of Americans no longer believe that. They don't believe that we are the greatest country in the world. Our biggest cheerleaders are immigrants. Our biggest cheerleaders are our friends abroad who look at American leadership and say, you need to lead. Now, has Obama led? You know, let's not kid ourselves about President Obama. Has he destroyed America? No, he hasn't destroyed America. I tell you what I think has destroyed America. A Congress and a presidency that refuse to do anything to help America move forward and progress in a way that lifts all the boats. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the next segment here on America's Web Radio. This is your host, Charles Cook of the Immigration Hour. It's great to be here again today, David. Uh, one week before the election, we are very excited uh, to uh, to be casting our votes. David, you've already voted, right? You and I both have already voted. Uh, are you giving all your employees a day off to vote today? 
<laughs> David laughs because David is the employees here at the station. Uh, we're doing that. We give our employees paid time off to go vote, uh, however long it takes. Um, I prefer they not do it during Election Day because Election Day is going to be crazy. But have you seen how many people have voted early? This is uh, this is stunning. So many people voted, David, before uh, uh, Director Comey came out with his announcement that they are uh, expanding the Hillary email investigation. Uh, there are a lot of people still out there um, uh, that are starting to make up their minds. And I'm, sure, I'm just thinking, David, do you know anybody who's undecided? Really? I, I, you know, they look at these polls, and there's one poll this morning had Trump at 46, Hillary at 45. That's the same poll, by the way, CBS News poll, that had Hillary up by 12 points last week. So clearly the poll's a little volatile. Um and that leaves nine, if I do the math right, right, 40, 46, 45, that means 9% of the people either are voting for Johnson or Stein, which I don't believe, or they literally haven't made up their mind. That's, that seems like, wow, really? Uh, I know I had a hard time when I went into the polling booth about who I was going to vote for. Um, I knew I wasn't voting for Trump. Uh, I think the man is dangerous to America. Um, but there is Evan McMullen out there. And Evan McMullen, I think, uh, is the true voice. Although he's not going to win anything. But he's the, if you want to put your vote in a place that actually makes you feel good at night and you can't stomach voting for Trump and you can't stomach voting for Hillary, vote third party. Uh, you have to, now you, in Georgia, you have to write Evan McMullen in, and you can write him in. I think he's on the he's on the ballot in like eleven states or twelve states, and he's a write-in candidate in like thirty-five states, and he's on. So he's almost everywhere. Um, and uh, but at least you could sleep at night voting for this guy. Um, now I voted for him because I think he brings a, a a true vision of what conservative is. I think he's got a good plan for America. What he doesn't have, David, is any real experience in politics. So that makes him just like Trump. Uh, he's fought on the front line of America's wars in the Middle East uh, as a CIA undercover operative, which is interesting, David, you know, because he's, he he's LDS. So he, he served a church mission in uh, LDS church mission in Brazil and uh, apparently learned Arabic as part of the CIA training program, always wanted to be a CIA agent from the time he was a kid, from watching, what was the, the article I read? He read, he watched Day of the Condor. Remember Day of the Condor? Uh, Robert Redford, right, if I recall correctly? I think Robert Redford's in Day of the Condor. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. You should Google that. I think that's right. Um, and wanted to be a CIA agent. What was interesting about him is he went on as an analyst, of course, initially, right after 9-11. It was, he, was, he just graduated from college, I think, in, in, in 2001, was getting on with the CIA right away, and then, bam, 9-11 happens, and, bam, he gets put in. So he gets into the Middle East. And he became one of the most effective recruiters among extremist groups of informants in the CIA. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and uh, I'd rather have somebody like that with on-the-ground, real-world experience than with the lack of experience that Donald Trump has uh, leading our country. I think there's a lot of respect that comes, comes from somebody like that, even if he was a spook. You know, if he was a CIA spook, we'll, we'll give him that little bit of a problem. But um, I think that uh, he... Uh, uh, brings a lot to the table. Um, but, you know, maybe you want to vote for Hillary. Uh, Hillary, uh, and it depends. You hear about these polls all the time on, on, uh, uh, around the country. National polls are meaningless. They, they don't really mean anything. It's only the polls in the individual states. Now, Trump's going to, I mean, I'm sure Trump's going to win here in Georgia, right? 
So if Trump's going to win here in Georgia and you're not voting for Trump, but you can't vote for Hillary, then then vote for Hillary McMullen or Johnson or or if you're absolutely loony, you can vote for Jill Stein. Oh, I'm sorry, all my loony friends who listen to this. Uh, th- that woman is, is is an anti-vaxxer and completely insane. Uh, has no business being in national but Surely the Green Party could have put up a better kind of Surely the Libertarians could have put up a better party. I like Gary Johnson. He's a wonderful guy. But I think he's been smoking way too much wacky weed over the last uh, couple of years to really be effective anywhere. Bill Well would have been a far better candidate um, of the Libertarian Party. Um, but when you look at other states, Trump is campaigning this week in Michigan, which he's not going to win. Colorado, which he's not going to win. Um, New Mexico, which he's definitely not going to win. Trying to get people to not vote for Hillary. And, I, and I'm thinking, why aren't you in Pennsylvania every single day? Because he's not going to win Pennsylvania. If he doesn't win Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter what else he wins. Because he can't win the presidency. I mean, he might win Florida, but if he doesn't win Pennsylvania. He might win North Carolina, but if he doesn't win Pennsylvania. He might win Ohio, which he probably will. But if he doesn't win Pennsylvania, he is not going to be president of the United States. Now, there's a really weird scenario, David. It's if Evan McMullen's strongest state is Utah. And Evan's at like 31% in Utah to Trump's 30 to Hillary's 25. If Evan wins Utah, that gives him six electoral votes. Then it comes down to this. Is there, is there something that happens that causes neither Hillary nor Trump to get 270 electoral votes. There's actually at least a couple different scenarios where that happens. Um, and if that's the case, uh, you as a friend of the Constitution knows that the vote then goes to the House of Representatives, but not the current House of Representatives. It goes to the new House of Representatives that is sworn in on January 19th this year. It always changes there, right? It's always changing. Um and uh, we don't know what that house is going to look at. Now, that house is likely going to be Republican House, right? I mean, it's, it would be highly unlikely that the Democrats could get that. If the Democrats controlled the House, I think they would vote in mass for Hillary. The Republicans, on the other hand, face a problem. Because a majority of them will vote for Trump, a big majority. But my guess is there's going to probably be at least four representatives who will not vote for him. And they will be the ones from Utah if Evan McMullen wins. And depending on how close the House is, there may be others that follow that cannot support a Trump president. Many, many people came out and said, I don't support Trump. And if that happens, you go to a second round of voting and there's lots of negotiating going back and forth. Trump goes to, uh, to McMullen and says, hey, I'll make you head of the CIA or I'll head you. And McMullen goes, I don't want your job. You know, you can't bribe me into this stuff. And that, you know, it could, be, it could go on for a while. It could be very interesting. But if that happens, of course, Hillary will not be president. It'll be a, it'll be a GOP guy. The question is whether it'll be Trump or it will be uh, uh, McMullen. Or, but those are the only two that can get it. You can't bring in an outside person to be president. It's got to be somebody who's won electoral votes. So it's going to be interesting, David, to see how this happens and plays out. Uh, but Mr. Trump has, um, how shall we call it, um, some serious issues some serious issues to deal with. Uh, and um, with those serious issues, I think he's got um, um, uh, a major problem on his hands with uh, with, with Miss Hillary. Um, now, I have a dear friend on Facebook whom I just love uh, to pieces. I've, I've known him almost my whole life since I was a young man uh, in high school. And uh, he is not a big fan 
of Hillary Clinton. In fact, he probably listens to your shows here, David, for the most part. Uh, and uh, he brought up today something on my Facebook page about Benghazi, uh, that Hillary killed four people in Benghazi. Uh, and you and I have talked about this a little bit in the past, David, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, I'm still trying to figure out how she killed four people in Benghazi. Did she fly a plane over there? Did she drop a bomb on them? Did she not take their phone calls and, when, and call in the air support, which she has no control over as head of the Department of Secretary of State? What role did Hillary play in the death of those four Americans? I'm, I haven't actually – all I've read is what the, what the Congress came out with and said she played no role in that. That's what Trey Gowdy said. So I'm trying to figure out what she did that caused Benghazi – uh, to happen that isn't more laid at the feet of the United States Congress or the presidency or the U.S. military. Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, David, do you have a show that talks about that on, on America's Web Radio? We've talked about it in the past. What's that? We've talked about it in the past, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to, I'd love to probably find out more about that because near as I can tell, that's just literally not true. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get on Hillary about. Uh, lots of stuff, including the stupidity of using an email server that is based in the closet of her house. But I just can't uh, I can't lay Benghazi at the feet uh, of Hillary when there seems to be a lot of other blame to go around there, uh, especially with the United States Congress, who did nothing. Um, now, getting back to the, the whole immigration thing and how Hillary is going to change immigration law, <clears throat> Hillary has said very specifically that she is going to present to Congress a comprehensive immigration reform plan in her first 100 days. And she was very specific and said, I can't make them pass it, but I will present it to them, and I will lobby for it, and I will work on it. Now, her if she is president, that's a lot of work in a democratically controlled Senate and a Republican-controlled House. Now, if the, Senate, if the Republicans manage to retain control of the Senate, is there any hope for any immigration reform, or will we simply see four more years of stonewalling until the next election? And if that happens, you know, here's what I think, David. I think that if, if the Republicans retain control of both houses of Congress but lose the presidency and they don't move on immigration in those first two years – they will be viewed in the, through the lens of history as stupid. Because what we're seeing here is, in this election cycle, monumental turnout from new immigrants, particularly Latinos and Asians. Now, I don't know where a lot of those votes are going, but my guess is they're not going to the guy who wants to deport their mother. Although I did have a very interesting conversation the other day. In my office walks a young man from Alto, Georgia. Do you know where Alto, Georgia is, David? Alto is down south Georgia uh, and uh, is a big farming area. Uh, and in walked this rather large man with his rather large son. I mean, large, I mean, they're tall. They were like six foot tall. And dad was probably a good 240. Son was a good 260. Big boy. Kind of kid you'd see in, from Alto, Georgia, plays line. But they're Latinos. They were from Mexico. He, dad was from Mexico. Son was born here. Um, and son had just turned 21. Now, many of our listeners know that if your child is 21 years old, uh, they can they have the legal right to sponsor their mother and their father. 
to become permanent residents of the United States. However, if mom and dad came into the country illegally without papers, mom and dad, before they could use the application of that son or daughter who's 21, would have to leave the United States for 10 years. Now, after you've been here, this this husband and wife had been here for about 25 years. You think they really want to leave the country? And they have younger siblings, got a younger brother and sister. They're not going to leave the country, right? So I had to break this bad news to them uh, and say, look, I, I know you'd know that your son can sponsor you, but you are not going to be able to use that until you leave the country for 10 years. So, you know, so I go to the son. I said, I'm really sorry. He goes, well, and he talks. He talks to us like this, like he's from South. I mean, David, if you, if you weren't looking straight at him, you're talking, talking to some big old, big old Anglo kid, some big old white kid talking right there. And you open your eyes, and there's this very large Mexican guy standing in front of you. And I said, well, you know, may, you know, this election makes a difference. Maybe, you know, if Hillary gets elected or McMullen gets elected, we have immigration. From, I'm voting for Donald Trump. Hillary's going to take my guns away. Now, I thought that was hilarious. So, 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 you, so I asked him, so your guns are more important than your parents? And he gets this quizzical look on his face like he's thinking about it. <laughs> like he's thinking about it. He says, well... Uh, I'll have to think about that. But then he goes, Trump isn't going to deport anybody. Going back to that same thing we talked about, people that support Trump don't believe he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Let's take a break here on America's Web Radio and the Immigration Hour. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back with you again today. Um, I went down to my garden over the weekend, David, uh, and all the weeds are finally dying. <laughs> so it's almost time to get the torch out, uh, the, the, the blowtorch, but I, I'm afraid. We've had rain in since like a month, it seems like. I mean, the ground is parched down there. But the good news is it's dried up enough. My apple trees are looking as good as they've ever looked. So hopefully this next year we'll get some apples on those apple trees. Uh, my figs, however, have been delicious this year. 
It's probably the only good thing that's come out of my garden and my orchard this year and my figs. So figs, except for I, my biggest fig tree, not a single fig on it. I just don't, I don't get fig trees. The little ones have been barren like crazy. Uh, and the, the the figs that birds don't eat, I just I just go down and pick the birds and eat them. I don't like can them or anything, and they've been delicious this year. But the biggest tree, not a single fig on. And I, I don't. I mean, I don't. Figs confuse me. This is you know. There's a parable of Jesus when he's walking. He goes to this fig tree looks so big and beautiful, and there's no figs, and he curses it and it dies. Now I know why. <laughs> Once you had a fig tree, you understand that concept. And I told you I lost one of my plum trees. Big, beautiful, 20-foot-tall plum tree, lots of plums on it. Just died. Just died. Uh, and I don't know why. Now, the good news is my other – you have to have two plum trees to get plums. The other plum trees across the yard, so, so I don't think it caught – it seems to be fine. But now, I, now I'm probably going to get plums next year because I, I don't have a second plum tree. <laughs> but hopefully my apple trees will begin to, uh, begin to look good this year, and uh, uh, I'll be able to uh, – uh, maybe bring you some apples and some plums this next year. I know you look forward to that. But I, I, I am, I have been, uh, you know, I have been working for the last several, last three years as a pastor at my church, and that assignment has ended, and I'm no longer uh, a, a pastor at the church. I've been giving another, another assignment to work with youth, uh, and so my ability to focus on the garden is now back. Uh, I will be ordering my seeds in the next couple of weeks from the, the Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company. I, do, you have, do you get the Baker Creek catalog? What a, that is a beautiful seed catalog. For all of our listeners who don't garden, you should at least go to Baker Creek Seeds. I think it's called rareseeds.com on the web. And look at their – order their catalog because just having the catalog in your house is just – Spectacular! I mean, it's just beautiful what they do. It's run by a family, a young, a young family, and they kind of live a kind of a rather interesting lifestyle. But they they farm in the hills of Southwest Missouri, and it's just beautiful what they put together. Just beautiful what they put together, and just a, an, an amazing assortment. My problem, David, among their hundred varieties of tomatoes or more, is picking the ones that I want to grow. Uh, but I will be doing probably I'll try to do ten varieties of heirloom tomatoes this year, and. Uh, uh, rather than the 20 that I've done in the past, and try to do probably about 20 plants of each. I'll do a row of each. If I do 10 rows of tomatoes, I can get 20 plants on a row. On a, row. Um, a couple hundred plants of tomatoes should bear, should bear me some good fruit this next year. Um, and peppers, peppers, they've got some good peppers this year. Uh, this next year, so I'm gonna do some, they've got hundreds of fries of peppers. You know what I've never been successful with, David? Really, melons. Maybe something in the soil here. I don't know. It's just something about melons that just don't. Uh, gourds, yeah, gourds have no problem. I think gourds are like weeds, but melons I've just not been super successful in. Uh, whether it's watermelons or honeydew melons or any kind of melons, but gourds I've been okay with, including squash and squash I've been good with. Kind of a variety of melon gourd, uh, and then of course we'll be doing our our standard radishes and stuff. So I'm excited. I'm excited, but I did lose my raspberry plants this year because of the lack of rain. My raspberries and my blueberries in my garden have died, so I'm very sad, very sad this year uh, that that happened. Um, now, that's and, and what's beautiful about this, Dave, is I'm going to be bringing in members of my congregation to help me with the garden this next year. Now that I've got time to focus on this a little bit, they can come in, they can take off, they can take away all the food that we want, help with some weeding. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited to be back in the gardening business after having let Eli follow for a year. Uh, I will be in December. Uh, I'm fortunate to live in horse country here, 
and down the road from me is a as a horse farm, and they maintain a free pile of manure that they've had composting that they constantly compost. So, a a a pickup truck load of horse manure will cost me ten dollars, and that's the cost of using their backhoe to fill my fill it up with. And so, uh, that and, and a good back and a couple good shovels and. We should get some some good stuff into that garden this year. Um, I, I like the more natural. Now, cow manure is better because the cows process the food. They have two stomachs. So they process the hay and stuff better. You get fewer seeds. But horse manure, you know, in many ways has many of the same nutrients. You just get more seeds in it of, of the hay. And Heck, given all the, seed, all, all the weeds I have in my garden right now, I don't think a couple extra seeds is really going to make any real difference. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier about Clinton uh, and the immigration plan that she is going to put forward here. Now, this is interesting, David, because, one, she actually has a plan, while Trump doesn't. But there actually is a really terrific analysis uh, in the New York Times, in, in the Los Angeles Times, which, by the way, has been a super pro-Trump polling organization. They, they put out some of the best polls for Trump out there. Um, here's what they said in this article. Forget about tax plans and spending programs, trade deals, and regulatory reform. Reform When it comes to influencing the speed and direction of the economy, few things will matter more than how the next president deals with the millions of immigrants in the country illegally. And just as crucially, how many illegal immigrants are allowed in each year. David, yesterday, or this week, earlier, maybe it was yesterday, maybe Sunday, Canada announced that they were going to allow in 300,000 immigrants in this year. 300,000 immigrants in this fiscal year. If we did that, David, that would allow in 3 million immigrants to America. Proportionally speaking, Canada's, that's 1% of Canadians' population. They're literally going to increase population by 1% in one year. If we did that, that would be 3 million people. On average, we immigrate over the last decade about a million people a year, which we easily absorb into our economy uh, and into our, into our society. So, quote, in terms of where the economy would be four years and ten years from now, the real difference, the game changer between the two presidential candidates, is immigration, said Mark Zandi, chief economist at Moody's Analytics, a forecasting firm. Now, isn't that interesting? That immigration will determine, and how we treat immigrants going forward, what our economy will look like four and ten years from now. So Hillary Clinton's more, quote, open-door position on immigration, including a pathway to citizenship for those already in the country illegally, and increasing legal immigration would add about a quarter of a percentage point to gross domestic product growth annually, on average, over the next decade. That translates to an additional $489 billion to the economy in the next 10 years. That's a lot. That is a huge amount of economic development. Trump's plan, this is whatever, whatever this plan is, it's a little vague, to stem immigration and deport people from the U.S. illegally would have the opposite effect, the firm concluded. Moody's estimates that Trump's immigration policies would reduce inflation-adjusted, reduce in immigration, uh, inflation-adjusted GDP by nearly a half a percentage point, or $880 billion by 2026. So over the next 10 years, the difference between Trump's immigration plan and Hillary's immigration plan as it pertains to the economy is 
trillion dollars better under Clinton than under Trump. So if you want a smaller America, if you want a less vibrant America, if you want America that's shrinking in population and in economy, then you must vote for Donald Trump because that's what he wants. That's what his plan will do. Um, Now, it's funny. The Trump campaign has sharply criticized Moody's economic projections as biased, noting that Zandi has contributed to Clinton's campaign. Okay. Peter Navarro, a UC, UC Irvine professor and Trump economic advisor, argued that Trump's immigration plan would also have a positive effect on both economic and wage growth. Removing immigrants here illegally and toughening penalties and jail terms for unlawful entry would translate into more jobs for American citizens. Well, yeah, because you'd have to hire more Americans to work in all the prisons they would have to build. And we know what those jobs are like, and we we know why nobody wants them, because they're sucky, terrible jobs. And the jobs that, that immigrants would be abandoning, which Americans exactly will be doing those jobs? Exactly. Who, who who are they that'll be doing those jobs? Who's washing the dishes in the, in in, the, in restaurants? Who is the prep chefs? Uh, who is who is mowing the lawn? Who's plucking chickens? Uh, who is eviscerating chickens? Who is slaughtering cows? Who is uh, who is uh, uh, kosher taking care of the pigs? Uh, who is picking our crops? Um, who are taking care of our babies? Who's cleaning our houses? That that's kind of the question we need to have the answer to, isn't it? Where are those Americans today? Where are they? Where are they? You know, do you think people would rather do those jobs than take a check from the government? Because that's what's happening. So, really, you're, these people that say well, they're taking American jobs, well, no, the government is taking those jobs because the government is taking those people out of the workforce by making it easier to co- to 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 collect unemployment or welfare or benefits than to actually work in the United States. Do you really blame somebody who could sit home all day and watch TV and pick up a check at the end of the month for welfare or or WIC or for food stamps? Now, I will tell you, most people I know want to work hard. They want to work. But if you do a cost-benefit analysis, you have to come to the conclusion at a certain time, why do I work? If I can get the same benefit from not working, why would I do that? And as, our, as, as an old friend used to say, that's a problem with the welfare system, not the immigration system. But you don't hear Trump talking about that. Why? Why? Because some of the people who support him are using that program. They're angry. And he's not going to take their, their plan away. So economic research groups on the left, right, and center, other than this dude... <laughs> Mr. Navarro, have generally come to similar conclusions as Moody's. The nonpartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget estimated recently that Clinton's immigration plans would boost economic growth from the projected long-run growth to 2 to 2.3% a year on average, while Trump's restrictive policy would trim GDP growth from 2 to 1.7% over the next decade. By comparison, the committee said, the sizable difference between Clinton's and Trump's tax policies Trump is um, proposing a $6 trillion tax cut compared to Clinton's $1.5 trillion tax increase over 10 years was almost negligible 
as far as the average GDP growth in the next decade after taking into account factors such as spending and long-term effects. This is a fascinating article, which I would commend to you. You can get it on my Facebook page. Uh, that's Charles Cook. Uh, 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 Charles, uh, not Charles H. Cook. That's my professional page, my personal page. Uh, and we're also going to put it up on uh, on our firm page at Cook Immigration Partners. Uh, but I think uh, this is certainly something uh, worth reading and uh, analyzing. The question is, do you want to have an economy that grows or don't? If you want an economy that grows, then you, you better not vote for Donald Trump. Talk to you later. We'll be back in a minute on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and the Immigration Hour. It's great to be back here, David. It's been a good show so far. This is our final segment today. Uh, yeah, go to my webpage, take a look at, at my webpage. Go to my Facebook page, take a look at that. If you want the economy to shrink, vote for Trump and his insane immigration policies. That's That's where you need to be. If you really want to make sure the economy shrinks. Now, if you're an expanding economy, you could vote for Clinton. You could vote for McMullen. You could vote for Johnson. Uh, although, you know, honestly enough, Stein is in the same camp as Trump. So it's really very interesting going forward. Uh, now, here's uh, Dave. Do you ever go to the website 538? You should take a look. That's the website run by Nate Silver, who uh, in uh, 2012 predicted every single state race correctly on his website. Um, and uh, he did not initially predict Trump as the winner uh, in the primaries. Uh, but what I like about Silver is he does uh, a terrific – he updates the election forecast like every hour. Now, here's something fascinating. Today, Trump is a 25% chance of winning. Thursday last week, he had a 12.7% chance of winning. So the trend is towards Trump at this point. But one of the cool little charts that uh, Nate Silver puts on here uh, is this kind of winding chart to 270 votes. I'm show you, Darren. This kind of looks like right there. And what it does, it, 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 ha- it starts with the states most likely to go for the candidate in each direction and winds its way to 270, and in the middle is 270, right? And if... Hillary wins Michigan, 
Pennsylvania, and Colorado, she wins. So Trump's got to win Ohio, Arizona, and Iowa, which are all you know leaning towards him, but he could lose. Okay, uh, he's also got to win Florida, Maine second, because they they split their votes by delegation. Wouldn't that be interesting to do that? Would be interesting to do that. Uh, North Carolina, Nevada, and Colorado, and he's got to win all. That's why you're seeing him in all these states because he's got to win those states in order to win this election. Uh, and Hillary literally just needs to keep Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Colorado in her pocket, and she wins. Just like that. And she wins. So th- this whole idea of um, uh, where, you know, what the percentage is and that, again, we d- it doesn't really matter very much, uh, except in these states. So you look at a place like Arizona, which leans Trump, but apparently this year they've had massive, a massive increase in Latino turnout. Massive in the pre, in the early voting. Now, David, are you a fan of early voting? I, I've actually watched this. There's been a debate brewing on the web about this. Are you a fan of early voting? I've only done it twice. Probably not. No. Okay. So there is – I like it only because I don't have to wait on line on election day. I mean, that, to me, that's the biggest, the biggest reason to have early voting. Uh, because if you have if you have X number you can afford as a state to have X number of polling places and you really can't grow that year to year necessarily but you have an expanding population the problem that you have is the lines just get longer every single year remember the lines back in, in Bush Gore in Florida there was people in the panhandle in a different time zone when the election was called that got out of line because the election was called and because there was there was no early voting then, I mean, had mail, you could do absentee ballots, but you had to prove you were going to be absentee. Um, so I I like early voting because I think it gets more people involved in the process. I think I like some of these countries where it's mandatory to vote. Uh, and this because if you don't in some countries if you don't vote, you can't get certain public benefits, and you, so you've got to be registered to vote and you have to vote. Uh, I you know I don't necessarily mind that. I mean, if we say you know what. You can't get benefits, public benefits. You can't get your tax return unless you vote. Now, some would say that, invi- that violates my free speech. My free speech is my right not to vote. True. Um, but we didn't say you had to vote for. <laughs> I, know, I, I just, to me, voting is the most powerful uh, benefit. The most important benefit of being an American is the right to express your, your political desire at the ballot box, up and down the ballot. I mean, we elect people to the most obscure offices in America. We do that because the voice of the people actually matters. And we want the voice of the people out there uh, expressing it. Uh, so looking at this forecast for Nate Silver, uh, Hillary has got, got some issues. Now, Dave, have you been following t- the, the debate on Texas and the closeness of the race there for president? Does that surprise you at all? I mean, it's Trump by one point. Does that speak more to Hillary or to Trump? If Ted Cruz was the nominee, where would Texas be? Probably uh, for Hillary. Probably way redder than it is right now. I mean, right now, Trump doesn't even have 50% there. He's got like 46 to Hillary 45. I mean, it's just like, wow. Wow. So yesterday, 
on 538, they put a little thing about the economy called Immigrants Are Keeping America Young and the Economy Growing. This is a fascinating article by Ben Castleman uh, talking about uh, analyzing uh, the economics of Americans aging and immigration together. When Bill Clinton took office, they say here, in 1993 at age 46, making him the third youngest president ever, 12.6% of Americans were 65. Today, 14.8% are, and by 2050, 22% will be. Now, David, you are now 65-ish, more or less, right? Um, in 2050, that's like 34 years from now, right? Yeah, 34 years. Do the math in my brain. Yeah, 34 years from now. That would make me 88. So I will definitely be part of that 22% of the time if I'm, of course, still around and kicking. Uh, but you understand the problems with that. If your population is weighted towards people who are traditionally retired and thus traditionally not participating actively in economic growth uh, or, or uh, societal uh, movement, uh, you have a much bigger burden on those that are actually of the age to work. So the aging population of the U.S. poses a major economic challenge, rising health care costs, more retirement spending, and crucially, most importantly perhaps, fewer working-age Americans to help pay for it all. Already, economists believe the graying of America helps explain the slow economic growth of the last decade. I, I believe that's actually probably the key reason. Um, by, but by global standards, the U.S. is in pretty good shape. In parts of Europe, more than 20% of the population is retirement age. In Japan, 26% of the population is retirement age. And they're having so few babies in Japan so few that literally hospitals are closing, maternity wards are closing because nobody's having babies over there. Um, now, at a time when aging and other factors mean fewer Americans are working, immigrants who tend to come to the U.S. during their working years and have a higher rate of labor representation than Native Americans play an increasingly important role in the U.S. population workforce. Foreign-born residents make up 13.1% of the population in 2014, but 16.4% of the labor force, up from 10 up 10% up from 10% two decades earlier. Immigrants help the economy in other ways too. They are more likely than native-born Americans to start businesses, and because they pay into Social Security, but only if they but only receive benefits if they stay in the country permanently, they help ease the U.S.'s long-run fiscal burden. Now. What's interesting about this is while immigration provides the U.S. with important economic advantages, it poses challenges. The U.S. has experienced a half-century-long wave of immigration. The farm-born population's share of population is on track to hit a record later this century. Past periods of rapid immigration have brought conflict, and this election suggests that that's probably coming forward. But think about this, the economic challenges that come with this. Farm-born residents... Farm-born U.S. residents are, on average, significantly less well-educated than native-born Americans. About 28% of immigrants aged 25 and up have less than a high school diploma, compared to 8% of native-born Americans. That means they compete for work with the least educated Americans, who already face the greatest challenges finding decent-paying jobs. 
Most, Amer- most economists firmly reject the notion that immigrants are taking our jobs because by providing new customers as well as new workers, immigration increases income and employment opportunities for native-born workers, leaving everyone better off on average. Um, this is a fascinating article. I would, um, I would encourage uh, folks to take a look at this because it really gets to the heart of how immigration is influencing our economy and our society, uh, and it's on a legitimate website. I did post last night, David, and I don't know if you noticed this on Facebook, because uh, I know you do post occasionally on there. There is just a lot of junk out there. I mean, my gosh. People post stories and you go, now, you posted this, so you must either believe it's true or you're trolling people. You want to be a troll, you want to be a troll. I mean, you can't, you can't, can't be stopping the trolls. But if you believe it's true, did you ever hear, ever think of to Google this website and find out where this stuff is coming from, what the basis of this is? Uh, it is um, uh, uh, very odd, very odd. Um, um, uh, uh, going forward. So next week, hopefully, we'll have a guest next week, uh, and uh, we'll uh, talk more about the election. Next week is next 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 Tuesday. David is election day. I'm excited about that. We'll, uh, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the election, a lot of immigration going forward. Anybody has any questions you want to be on the show? Uh, let me know. We'd love to have you on. Until next week, it's the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.